pioneering banker runs for mayor. Hey, I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. So let's bring on our guests. We're going to continue our series of discussions with candidates for New York City mayor in next year's election. And we're happy to be joined now by Ray McGuire. Ray, are you on the line? I am here. How are you doing? Hey, th- Hello. this is Ben. <laughs> Good to have you with us. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And, and you're on the line also with Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Um, oh, how are you two doing? We're doing quite well. well thank you. <laughs> how are you doing today? I am well. Thank you for having me. All right. We're excited to have you. We're we're, uh, really digging into this field of candidates and voters have quite a few choices developing and we're excited to have these conversations. So why don't you uh, go ahead and just, you know, give a a broad overview introduction of yourself to to our listeners and, uh, you know, who you are, where you come from, and then we'll get into some other specifics. So uh, thank you for having me and I I so welcome the opportunity and I applaud you for all that you're doing and I would echo the, the suggestion and the invitation for others to support what you're doing because it is so fundamental to the discussion, which Appreciate is at that. the heart of what we're doing here. Uh, I, I love this city. It has given me so much. It's it's where I met my wife and where we're raising our kids. Uh, you know, this city now faces three existential crises. We have the the pandemic, we which is this COVID has really really wreaked havoc through the communities. We're in we're in an economic recession, and we have racial and religious injustice. And New Yorkers are scared. They're scared of losing a job. They're scared of violence in the neighborhood. They're scared of COVID. And I'm running because of my life story, um, the management experience that I've been given. The relationships are going to be critical here, and the vision. That that give me a different perspective than those who spent years playing the same old political games. Today, New York is broke, broken, and divided. And I know what it's like to be in a situation where you have economic insecurity. I grew up in a neighborhood I was, I never knew my dad. I was raised by a single mom and my grandparents and on the other, other side of the track in Dayton, Ohio. And with their love and hard work and the opportunity that they gave me through the sacrifices to get a great education, my life has been transformed. And it's literally taken me from the streets to the suites. And so I understand the fears and anxieties the Yorkers have from how I grew up. And every time I changed from a business suit to a sweatsuit and walked the streets, I could be George Floyd. So I understand that kind of that kind of injustice. As I look ahead in what's going to be needed here, uh, I know how to tackle the big challenges with high stakes because my business career required it. I had to manage budgets that were larger than most state budgets. And you have to have big ideas here. You have to have bold ideas to build our school. You need to have ideas to save the small businesses and create jobs. We've got to make housing more affordable, and we've got to reduce crime and restore safety and security to the city. And I'm running so that every child in New York can get the same shot that I did, and I'll do whatever it takes to get us there. I have so- – I have – Yes. No, I was going to say, but let, we're going to. I want to dig into a few of your thoughts on how to do that. But first, um, tell people a little bit about what your position at Citigroup was. You know, and what what exactly was um, was your work most recently, and and how does that translate into those skills to lead the city? Can can you sort of capture that for people? Sure, I can. Thank you. Uh, I've mm-hmm. been in business for 
almost four decades now. And while at City, I was responsible for the corporate and investment banking business globally, which means that, and I was the longest standing head of that business in the history of Wall Street. For 13 years, I did that. And that means that we advise governments and corporations around the world. We advise them strategically on how they think about their capital structure, how they uh, get financing, how they think about how they grow strategically and how they manage themselves. And that, uh, that experience had me build teams, manage budgets, attract the best talent, retain the best talent, and actually execute, get things done on behalf of our clients. And these clients are the most sophisticated corporations and governments around the world. And that's what I've spent my time doing, managing businesses, managing this business globally, and, and managing a budget that, as I've said, is in many instances larger than many state budgets. So I have a history of having done this and having led these businesses through the course of the financial crisis. So I had to build the business through the course of the financial crisis, attract and retain the best talent, meet budgets, meet budgets that I had to review almost on a quarterly basis so that uh, we served our clients in the best way possible, the most competitive business that exists in business. And that's what I've done for the past four decades, and I did those at City for, for the past 13 years. Mm-hmm. And so if you were uh, to become mayor of New York City, you know, should we expect, um, you know, sort of a, a CEO type mentality from you? You know, how do you sort of think about that? Are we talking about something that's a little bit, you know, uh, along the sort of um, Bloomberg-esque management style where you want to assemble, you know, what you think is a really strong team and then mostly sort of let those commissioners and others, you know, fly? Or, uh, you know, how do you think about leadership and management so, of city government? So it's a great question. New York, it, it's the business of business, right? So we have to make certain that we approach this the way that a chief executive would approach this, which means that you have to make certain that you have the, the best talent. First of all, you have to have a vision. You have to have a vision, and then you have to make certain that you have the people in place who can execute on that vision. And as the chief executive, you want to be held accountable. So for the business that I ran, I was held accountable. And that accountability meant in order for me able to meet that accountability, I had to, I had to attract and retain the best possible talent. And a chief executive has to do that. So what chief executive, good chief executives can develop followers, great chief executives develop other leaders. Now, you, um, most of your work, and correct me if, if you disagree or if I'm wrong, uh, but, you know, most of your work has been about sort of maximizing, uh, you know, maximizing both efficiency, I'm sure, but also profit. How does, you know, how, how do you consider the sort of goals in transitioning that to government where, uh, it's not necessarily about profit, but it's about other metrics and, and what you would think about uh, as the sort of key key goals when you say, you know, have a vision. What what would that be when as you make a shift from the private sector to the public sector? Well, the, the objectives are not dissimilar. I think what we want all New Yorkers want is government that can be effective, government that has an impact that can address their issues. It is not dissimilar to what takes place in the business world where your clients want you to come up with solutions that can best impact their lives. 
And so the impact that, that you have to have as the chief executive of the government is to identify what is the best, what is in the best interest of all New Yorkers. And that means that I, you know, I have no allegiances whatsoever. I have no debts. I've, so I come to this with the perspective of making certain that the vision that I have is solely guided by what's in the best interest of all New Yorkers. That's it. Especially now, you know, that, that's, that sounds a little bit familiar to, to again, you know, sort of a, the Mayor Bloomberg message. And I don't want to make too many comparisons there because you're obviously your own person. But, you know, that I, I think many people and perhaps myself included would, would, you know, take a little bit of an issue with that description because you have you may not owe anybody anything, but you come from a certain place. Right. You come from a certain uh, set, a certain you know group of allies, you know, people who. Uh, you know, you've been in business with for decades. Is that not sort of indicative of, of, you know, a certain lens and a certain way that you come into, you know, come into running for government and potentially leading government? You know, it's interesting. That's what I have done for the past few decades. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. It gave you a sense of my, my upbringing and the journey that I've led to get here. And so I would say that I have a unique ability to go from the streets to the suites, to be able to bridge the divide. And so I have the perspective of what it's like not to have, to have no money. I have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Raised by a single mother on the other side of the tracks with my grandparents and two older brothers and half a dozen to a dozen foster children in the home at the same time. I know what it's like not to have. I know what it's like to have the debate between whether or not you're going to pay the utility bill, whether they're going to put food on the table or tides in the offering plate. I know what that's like. And so with that perspective, and you combine that with the perspective that I've been able to have in my business career, for which I take enormous amounts of pride, and that's perspective that is needed today. If there's ever a perspective that's needed about how we manage business and how we run this government, it's that perspective that is needed. And nobody and how do you, has that perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you get up to speed? You're obviously an expert in your field, uh, global finance, and, and much more that you described. Uh, how do you get up to speed to be an expert in city government? How do you you know, get ready to talk in detail? And, and we, won't, we won't push you on that in this first conversation, but you know, down the line here pretty quick. Uh, you know, how do you get up to speed to talk really in detail about what's in the city budget and, you know, how to move legislation through the city council and working with the community boards in the 59 community districts and the 51 city council districts and all that stuff? How are you getting up to speed on that? You know, I, I will take my own aptitude, for which I'm really fortunate to have and blessed to have, and I will also engage the best experts. Your best experts. So my history of having attracted and retained the best talent is going to be the same the same approach that I take to attracting and retaining the best talent here. I will listen to the experts. And in the things that I don't know, I'm going to look to the people who know what they who know who are the experts in it. So the city will be surrounded by people who have a mission, and that mission is going to is going to be to to execute on our vision, our strategy for the survival and future of this city. And on that front, um, one of the things that you've talked a, a bit about in your early campaign uh, is about spurring job growth. And you've talked about doing that with some of the biggest companies uh, in the city and, and, and also small businesses. How, how does, you know, what are, what are some specifics you think as to how city government 
help spur job growth and economic revitalization? Well, l- let me tell you, this is if there's a moment in time where we're going to have to have public partner, public private partnership, it's now because the, 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 all of us have the same thing at stake, which is the survival of the greatest city on the planet. The outline that I have, my three top priorities are jobs in the economy, no jobs, no city, no jobs, no dignity, no city. So it's jobs in the economy. It is the safety and security of this city and its education. On jobs, you're right, I have a, I have a vision of creating the largest jobs program in the history of this city, 500,000 jobs to fix the immediate infrastructure, bridges, highways, parks, and really affect affordable housing. We also need to make certain that we have access to broadband, which is going to be part of the infrastructure. And we also need to make certain that we protect the vibrancy of the city, which is the, the cultural arts. We need to restore that, and we need to restore the tourist in this city, in all five boroughs. And I certainly will not miss out on the next Amazon or industry city. And we also yeah, so that's going speak, to oh go ahead mm-hmm. no go on I'm sorry yeah, I was going to say so so speaking of Amazon industry city and, and some of what you're talking about you know say say a little bit more about what the approach would be the approach would be uh, you know meeting with as many uh, corporate executives as possible to say how do we bring more jobs to New York City how do we create more space for you here where do we build the next campus in a public private partnership. Uh, that type of you thing. You know, I would I would approach it differently. Mm-hmm. I would approach it very differently. I would get the community involved from the outset. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't come top down. I would go directly to the community. I would get the people in the community who are the most affected, most affected, who have the most at stake. And I would invite them into the room where it's happening, into that room, and they should be part of that dialogue. Now, this is not consensus because I'll be make the I will make the ultimate call, but I know how to get transactions done. I've been able to execute more than six to seven hundred billion dollars worth of transactions. I will not miss out on behalf of New York with either Amazon or Industry City, which provide billions of dollars of revenue and thousands of jobs for the communities that are most at risk. So I would involve the community with those leaders from the outset. And as I've gotten the confidence in their views, then I would include other people who are who, who will be the constituents, who will be the stakeholders here. That's how I would approach it. So, I would so you, think, it you think exactly under your leadership – you think under your leadership in the Amazon situation, you would have been able to get to a deal that everybody could have uh, celebrated and been happy with? Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I've been able to bring parties together on transactions that have been pretty fundamental. And this is more fun. Amazon and Industry City are more fundamental. So the answer is unequivocally yes. We could have gotten that done, and we should have gotten it done, and I would have gotten it done. What do you think are the key pieces here to fixing the city's fiscal situation? There's obviously the question of federal aid and stimulus, um, but what do you think need to be the the pieces? And you know, let's say for the sake of argument that there is a federal package, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be the full uh, budget deficit closing you know measure that Mayor De Blasio would hope for over multiple years. Uh, what do you think is the is the sort of uh, pieces of the pie there and in in your mind is is borrowing uh is the city going to borrowing for operating expenses on the menu for that so let's first let's first address the first part of your question the federal package uh having the relationships that we have in washington remember that uh we introduced the vice president-elect to new york city 
duties? Long before the vice president-elect decided to run for the presidential. So we've, we've had that relationship for a long time. We have access to the decision makers in, in Washington. So I, I doubt that there's anyone who is better positioned and has more experience to lead a delegation to Washington and make a case for uh, for support from the federal government with a relationship that knows that the dollars that have been that will have been dispensed will be dollars that will be well used just based on the integrity of the ask in the history of the relationship that's number one number two um, I would not borrow borrow for operating purposes that would be uh, and I think we've seen that. And I've talked to the experts who were involved, the few remaining ones who were involved in the 1975 fiscal crisis. And I understand how that go, how that went down. And it may be the case that we're at a point where we found ourselves in when, the, when one of the publications announced that Gerald Ford to New York dropped dead. And business and government and labor came together to revive this city. So we know it can be done. We also know that at the, at the beginning of the Great Depression, that the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Buildings were built. So this device, the, the device of narrative that now exists, I can bridge that divide. I've been in the room with parties who didn't get along from the outset. I'd lock the door to make certain that we come up with an economic package that would stabilize where we are and allow us to begin to grow ourselves out of this. We have to grow ourselves out of this. I would look at the totality of the budget, as I've done on many budgets before, and figure out how we manage that, but how we manage the budget better than what has been managed. Ray, let's shift to a different topic that you mentioned among your top priorities, and that's public safety in the city. What do you think is driving the rise in crime that we've seen over the past several months? Is it changes in law? Is it the economic situation? Is it uh, policing approaches? What do you think's behind it? So let me address the rise in crime. We've had shootings that are up a significant percentage. Gun arrests are only now, the shooting arrests are, shooting incidents are up 95 to 100 plus percent. We've only now begun to address the uh, getting guns off the street. We need to get guns off the street. And uh, we need to focus on the guns in the problem areas. We need economic opportunity. We need to create economic opportunity so that these children are not, these kids, I say, these men of color are not seduced by the gangs. If I have no tablet, I have no broadband, I have no access to Wi-Fi, I have no rims or nets on the court, I got no community center and I got no summer job. Where's my hope and where's my dignity? So what do we need to do? We need to restore hope to many of these communities. I would own that. I understand how this works. I know what it's like to live in in an area where you're not quite certain where the next shot is fr- is coming from. I know what happened when Poochie got shot when I was growing up, two or three doors down from me. I know what that's like. And also what I know what it's like to have the remedy to that, at least to begin to encroach on that. you got to give these children some hope, some opportunity here. And I remember when I was growing up at a summer job, so part of my sort of part of my economic program is to have a, a summer job for youth somewhere between fourteen and twenty. We should be able to do that. Because the, the, the dignity that you have, the self worth that you have gets so enhanced by going to a job and notwithstanding how much you complain about how long you have to be there, what time you have to get there, you do come home with a paycheck. 
and having a paycheck concentrates your own mind and it gives you a certain level of dignity that you can't otherwise get. And if you don't have that, you don't have hope. You don't have hope through education. You don't have hope through a job. You don't have hope through a skill. What, what is my resort? What's my resort? So we need to make certain that we begin to address this. You got no jobs. You got no city. You got no hope. You got no job. You got no dignity. We need to get the guns off the street. And it's easier to get, it's easier to get a nine than a twelve point nine. Do you know what that is? It's easier to get a it's easier to get a Glock nine than it is to get a twelve point nine iPad. We can't. This is intolerable. We need to intercede here. We need to address this directly. Do you feel as though that can be? I mean, people will want quick results uh, if you're elected and take office, and, and hopefully it won't be the case. But if the crime uh, rise has continued, um, they will want crime to be brought down fairly quickly. And some of those solutions, while absolutely on target, would take some time to implement to you know a, a, achieve the reduction of uh, uh, inequalities and opportunity that have been around for, for decades. When it comes to policing, is there something you would want to do from day one? Or do you think that this is really just about having the patience to change some of these deeper underlying issues? Well, policing is, so I'm going to give you two. One is safety and crime, which we've talked about. To address the immediate the immediate issue, one, I do have a plan to get guns off the street, number one. Number two, we, we ought to revisit the plainclothes neighborhood initiative, see if the issues can be fixed so it can be brought back. Number three, we need to focus on the community-based violence interrupters. you got Life Camp in Queen. you got Street Corners in Harlem. These, these organizations have been highly effective at intervening. They're the, they're the violence interrupters, so we need to invest in those. That's on the safety and crime side. And then we need to make certain that we bridge the narrative here, which is a pretty divisive narrative, which I understand as a black man who could be who could be George Floyd. I get that. So the culture that we need to have is a culture that I call respect, respectful, accountable, and proportionate. Police should apply the minimum use of force. The transparency reforms that we've come up with are good for police and they're good for the community. We need to identify the bad cops early and to take action because they've created a cloud over the entire force. In addition to RAP, what I call RAP, we need to pair the police with other services, mental health services. Four to the ten calls that go into the police have to do with mental health issues. We need to partner the police with the mental health infrastructure, like the co-response teams that were in place. Number three, we need to return to community-based policing. Return to community-based policing. So respect, respectful, accountable, proportionate, pair with other services, restore community-based policing. That will begin to have an immediate impact and get the guns off the streets. So I've talked about safety and crime, and I've also talked about where we are with policing. And by the way, I think we ought to have better policing, not fewer police. So I'm not for defund. Better policing, not fewer police, being respectful, accountable, and proportionate. Ray, I want to ask about your housing plan. Um, you talk about the need not to have a cookie-cutter approach, uh, to have a comprehensive approach. Give us sort of a more concrete sense. How would the Ray McGuire housing plan be different from what Bill de Blasio has done or tried to do uh, over his what will be eight years in office? So this is this is clearly one of the most needed focuses that we have and it was included in my go big economic strategy so we need to we need to have truly affordable housing we have yet to keep up the demand has not kept up with the the supply is not kept up with the demand 
We had, I know, for a period of seven or eight years, we created 2.2 units per new job. By 2018, that was cut down to half a unit per new job. And even before COVID, more than half of low-income households, that is fifteen dollars to $30,000, are paying more than 50% of their income on rent. And so we need to be able to start at the community level again. We need to start with the Community Development Corporation that played a central role previously and can again. New York is the most expensive place to build in the country. The building codes discourage innovation. We have burdensome permitting and zoning laws. We have different agencies applying different rules. The 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 incentives to build have have are limited. And just take a look at the largest housing complex that we have, NYCHA. 9,000 units of young children still have lead paint. That's unacceptable. We need a large-scale renovation program. Rehabbing a handful of units here and there just won't cut it. We need to have a comprehensive program. Early counts suggest to me that the RAD program, which is a rental assistant uh, demonstration program, that appears to me to be working. Remember, we had certain houses here um, where Fulton Houses in Chelsea, initially many tenants didn't want it. Half the complex went through RAD, and now the tenants in the other half are looking to do it as well. And I get that nights your tenants are wary, but serious renovations are needed before we lose these buildings. These buildings are, many of them are inoperable. We've talked about it. We just haven't had a plan, and we haven't executed on the plan. This, again, is where we can come in with some creative thinking, with the best minds. There have been lots of plans out there. We just haven't executed. We don't have an option now. There ain't no plan B. There's no cavalry coming. We don't get it done. It will not get done. This moment will pass. So in the few minutes we have left, maybe a couple minutes, I want to get back. We've been talking policy, and that's obviously our our wheelhouse. But let's get back to kind of the practical politics of the moment and your own plans and your own execution. You've got about six months now between today and the Democratic primary. Um, You are, compared to some of the people in the race, a political unknown. What's the path to victory here? And and how will you handle, let's be honest, the financial side of it? Um, How much money will it take? And will there be some degree of self-financing by you? How do you how do you put this together? So my path to victory starts with my journey. Um, and I think once New Yorkers understand how it is that I got the opportunity through education, and without that, somebody else would be talking to you today. That's going to be a top priority, as I've outlined. My background in business, for which I take an enormous amount of pride, uniquely prepares me to tackle the big challenges and to build the consensus, because I've had to build consensuses. I can, will call on every every relationship that I have. I'll listen to all points of view and I'll ultimately make the decision and I'll be consistent. I'll be consistent. I'll be definitive. I have the command, I have the capacity to manage the city through the three existential challenges. And that's what sets me apart. My personal experience, my my experience with having no money and discrimination, my professional experience, my understanding, my intimate understanding of the budget and finances and the plan 
plans, the vision I have to lift this city up, meaning we all will be included here, not just a select few, but all of us will be included. My strategy, I'm going after the black, Latino, and white Asian voters, voters of all ages in every neighborhood of every income level. With my message, what is now coming back is I'm having a broader and deeper appeal than anyone else in this race. When people understand the journey that I've traveled, when people understand that with the opportunity, they too can travel journeys with the investments that I've made in human talent and the capital that I've been able to get into communities. People recognize that I have a proven track record to do what it's going to take to address the pandemic, the economic crisis, the, 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 and the injustices that exist in this city. I'm uniquely positioned to do that. My path is through the neighborhoods, talking to the community leaders, talking to the faith-based leaders, which, I, which is what I've been doing. That's my path, and that's how I've been conducting myself getting my story out, and a story which in which I have a, a tremendous amount of pride because education, my mother's sacrifice, coming from the other side of the track, got me to where I am. And I want others to get there. And I don't want it to be because of their zip, be because of their zip code. I want it to be because we gave them the opportunity. That's what this is all about. Well, we're very glad that your path brought you to our show this pro this afternoon. Hope you'll come back again. Uh, Ray McGuire, former Citigroup executive, now a candidate for mayor of the city of New York in the Democratic primary. Thanks so much and talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Okay.